0: pints with jack season two episode 41
1: the first san diego inklings evening hey everyone since we still have a few weeks before we start season three i thought it'd be fun to have a quick episode and tell you about something which just happened here in san diego we had our first inklings evening You'll recall when we spoke about Diana Glyer's talk about the importance of community, and the, it was the it was the dynamic in the Inklings where you had people coming together and encouraging one another and critiquing one another that um, this was what made the Inklings so fruitful. Well, between reading her book Bandersnatch and a request from a friend, I decided to try and set up an Inklings evening, and the the deal was pretty simple: we're going to go to the pub bring some literature that you really love, read it, and tell us why you love it. And the the hope is that eventually people will bring more and more of their own writing. But even if they're only bringing writing by authors that they really love, it gets to expose the group to that author. Well, before we jump
0: into this, presumably everyone loves these, these nice fillers, of course, David. But for maybe the one or two people that are like, oh, when's the next season starting? What are we thinking is our target date here? I think I saw, did you say December 4th?
1: The first Tuesday of Advent is what we're shooting for.
0: Okay. Yeah, so we have we have recorded the first episode, and we're recording the second here soon, just so people know. So it is all in the works. It's coming. I know we've said it's coming for a little <laughs> bit. That's the reason why I wanted to say that. They're like, what, are we going to have season two, episode 55 here? <laughs> um, no, This is this is just because we've... We release some of these filler episodes too because we have actually people reach out to us wanting to hear something. And so if you're one of those people who doesn't want to hear it and you're just like the books, well, just wait. It'll be coming probably the first week of
1: Advent. Mm-hmm. As long as you've downloaded this episode, you've improved our stats. So feel free just <laughs> to delete the rest of this episode. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> That's great. I love it. So I'm excited to see where this episode goes. I have not read any of what you have here. I know you're talking most about the Inklings, but I think there's a cool chance to talk a bit about community here and what you talked about that. What did she call it? Dyad? Dyad? Dyad.
1: D-Y-A-D. Dyad. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that concept of stretching each other.
1: But this is a standard episode, so drink of the week. I'm drinking some bullet bourbon that uh, a friend gave me. Do I see an ice cube in that, David? You do. I put an ice cube in bourbon when I drink it. I always find it really opens up the taste.
0: Good, I'm glad. I, 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 the reason I brought that up wasn't to actually criticize you, although I had that judgmental tone. <laughs> I just never. I've never seen you put
1: ice in one before, so that's why I was curious. It's because you usually see me drinking scotch, and I don't put water in yeah. scotch. But in bourbon, I've always found bourbon tastes way better with just a little bit of water and might as well do it with an ice cube because I'm still a little hot from the run that I just went on. (laughs) <laughs> which people are going to be
0: confused because we talked about that in the episode we recorded that's episode in, that's, one of that's in season the future. three that's in the future yeah so they're, they're, they're going to hear that and realize <laughs> that was recorded before this one uh but anyways i am drinking McAllen 12 i am continuously drinking McAllen 12 and now i'm on my second drink since we've already recorded an episode well
1: with that cheers cheers
0: Since this is my second, this is going to be really interesting by the end of this if I start feeling the second one.
1: Well, we actually did have somebody write a review and they commented on your slurring in one of the episodes. <laughs> or oh, is it Banana, Banana Rick? Uh, thank you for your review on iTunes. It said, love you guys, but Matt was slurring a bit on Wednesday night. And then you, you attribute it to jet lag, which is, is fair. It was, uh, we'd both been up very, very early or very, very late, depending upon how you like to look at it. Uh, yes, I can assure you that Matt was just very tired. He hadn't really had anything to drink. <laughs> Although my policy for drinking, I love this. Um,
0: it's not really my policy, but my secular policy for drinking is never drink to be happy, only drink to be happier.
1: Mm-hmm. Very Chestertonian.
0: Ah, I like that. I just heard that from Paul Rudd in some movie that also had Reese Witherspoon
1: i'm sure paul rudd reads gk jackson no doubt no doubt
0: <laughs> i love it all right well what's the uh, quote of the week sir david bates
1: well since we've been talking about how much we love diana glier's talk and uh, her book band snatch uh, have you actually
0: started that yet not yet i just read the most incredible book though i'm gonna interject right now a witness to joy mm-hmm. go read it now it's going to be in one of our upcoming video series because I've already I've already put it for one of our YouTube videos, David. It's so good.
1: Can you give a two sentence summary of what the book's about?
0: Yes, modern day version of Till we have faces.
1: Okay, that was a one sentence. No, so okay.
0: <laughs> let me one more <laughs> sentence. Modern day version of Psyche until we have faces. A person that's very self sacrificial, saint like, willing to give up their life or the other, and surrender to God's love and show joy when most people would show suffering and pain. I mean, it's an incredible story. I cried. There you go.
1: That wasn't just one extra sentence, but I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we really like Diana Goliath's talk. It made a big impact on us. And since we're going to be talking about the Inklings evening that we had, it seemed only appropriate to pull a quotation from Bandersnatch where she's talking about the dynamic of the Inklings.
0: Great idea. Great idea.
1: Here's what she writes. The Inklings followed a simple structure, and the opening ritual was always the same. When half a dozen members had arrived, Warren Lewis would produce a pot of very strong tea, the men would light their pipes, and C.S. Lewis would call out, Well, has nobody got anything to read us? Then out would come a manuscript, and they would settle down and sit in judgment upon it.
0: Hmm. Um, is this bad to say that the part that stuck out to me was very strong tea?
1: What happened to the pints? Well, they would do that on Tuesday morning. That's when they met at the Eagle and Child. It's Thursday night is where they really started sharing each other's work with them actually in Lewis's rooms at Magdalen College. You're telling me, David, they didn't drink Fat 69? At other times, most certainly. (laughs) I have documentary evidence that Lewis drank it at least once.
0: (laughs) I'm just going to be intrigued by how many times in season three we talk about Diana Glyer.
1: Well, we're definitely going to get her on the show.
0: Good. She's fantastic. Well, great quote, David. With that, cheers. Cheers. David, can you tell us about a San Diego inklings meetings, or as some might call it, the inklings of the 21st century? Some people are calling
1: it that. Okay, only just you, but still, that's some people. Uh, So... Our f- <laughs> friend of the show, Kate Anderson, asked me to put together an evening where people got a chance to read literature, and I had... Of
0: course she did.
1: And I just read Diana Gly's book, and so, all right, let's 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 do this. And so, we met at... Can I
0: just say, if she's listening, that's such a Kate Anderson thing to, it's to request? It's a very
1: Kate Anderson thing. Uh, it
0: is. Sorry, continue.
1: I'm still judging her, though, from not reading some of Lord of the Rings in the original Elvish. Yeah,
0: I would be too. It's fair judgment.
1: Room for improvement. Yep. But we met at Shakespeare's pub, which is the British pub in San Diego. And we had about nine or so people turn up. I began the meeting in the same way that Diana describes it in the book. I uttered Lewis's immortal words. Well, has nobody got anything to read us? And then people just started reading the literature that they had bought that they just wanted to share. So these were books and poetry that they just really love. And to get things going, I started with a speech from Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing, which I thought was pretty fitting given the location of our meeting at Shakespeare's pub. It's my favourite Shakespeare play, period. But this, this speech I absolutely adore. And I'll read it now, but just to give some context, this is spoken by a man by the name of Benedict, and he's a confirmed bachelor and one of his best friends, well, his best friend, has now fallen in love, and he's just quite disgusted at him. I do much wonder that one man, seeing how much another man is a fool when he dedicates his behaviours to love, will, after he hath laughed at such shallow follies in others, become the argument of his own scorn by falling in love. And such a man is Claudio. I have known when there was no music with him but the drum and the fife, And now he would rather hear the table and the pipe. I have known when he would have walked ten mile a foot to see a good armour. And now will he lie ten nights awake, carving the fashion of a new doublet. He was wont to speak plain and to the purpose, like an honest man and a soldier. And now he has turned orthography. His words, a very fantastical banquet. Just so many strange dishes.' May I be so converted and see with these eyes? I cannot tell, I think not. I will not be sworn that love may transform me to an oyster, but I'll take my oath on it. Till he hath made an oyster of me, he shall never make me such a fool. One woman is fair, yet I am well. Another is wise, yet I am well. Another virtuous, yet I am well. But till all graces be in one woman, one woman shall not come in my grace." Rich, she'll be, that's certain. Wise, or I'll none. Virtuous, or I'll never cheapen her. Fair, or I'll never look on her. Mild, or come not near me. Noble, or not I for an angel. Of good discourse, an excellent musician. And her hair, she'll be what colour it pleases God. Ha, the prince and monsieur love, I'll hide me in the arbour. I love that speech. One, I just think it's very funny when he's listing out his ideal woman and uh, he's stipulating all of these things and her hair color, oh no, God God can choose that. That's fine. Uh, (laughs) David, what's your ideal woman? I'm dating her. (laughs) Good answer.
0: I was thinking you're going to describe Marie, essentially.
1: Well, what did Benedict say? But till all graces be in one woman, one woman shall not come in my grace.
0: Well done. Close to slow clap worthy. Close to slow clap
1: worthy. But what I also really love about this speech is you know what's going to happen. Benedict is about to fall in love.
0: I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know anything about this.
1: You need, to, you need to see this play. It is my all-time favorite. Very, very funny. Okay, can I read something right now then? If you would like, certainly.
0: This is, this is what I would have read in a group. Okay, this is... You won't know the title yet. I'll tell it later. We could leave the Christmas lights up till January. This is our place. We make the rules. And there's a dazzling haze, a mysterious way about you, dear. Have I known you 20 seconds or 20 years? Can I go where you go? Can we always be this close forever and ever? And ah, take me out, take me home. You're my, my,
1: my lover. This is sounding like a song. (laughs) is this Is this Taylor Swift?
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I wondered how long it would take you <laughs> it's Taylor Swift lover. I couldn't help it. The second you started reading something, i'm like, I cannot wait to pick a Taylor Swift <laughs> lyric song to see how long it takes David.
1: <laughs> it was just sounding suspicious <laughs> <laughs> all right, I thought you might to make s- myself- I thought you might choose something from David Copperfield.
0: if you haven't learned half of my humor is self-deprecating humor Mm. i can't wait for the next one though in all seriousness that's my joking side although i don't joke about taylor swift she's great um (laughs) you've got something here about tuesdays with maury which is a fantastic book i love that book
1: yeah i chose this because i i didn't want people to think that the group is simply all about high art that unless it's something like shakespeare you can't read it and, and by of, the
0: way, Tuesdays with More is higher art, sir.
1: It's it's a wonderful book. And it's actually the book that I always give people if I want to try and open them up to spiritual things and talking about the important things in life. But at the same time, it's not Shakespeare. Having said that, I absolutely adore the opening page. Here's how it goes. The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No grades were given, but there were oral exams each week. You were expected to respond to questions, and you were expected to pose questions of your own. You were also required to perform physical tasks now and then, such as lifting the professor's head to a comfortable spot on the pillow. Or placing his glasses on the bridge of his nose. Kissing him goodbye earned you extra credit. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, ageing, forgiveness, and finally death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. Although no final exam was given, You were expected to produce one long paper on what was learned. That paper is presented here. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was that student. The first time I read that, I may or may not have started welling up a little bit. Because it's about this guy, Mitch Album. He's meeting with one of his old professors as his professor is dying. And they are having all of these conversations. And I I just love his his description of this as another class, about what was required of this class, uh, as well as you get extra credit if you kiss him goodbye.
0: As you were saying, and I'm, it sounded so much like the Inklings. Although, it, obviously, I mean, it's one-on-one. So it's not the Inklings, per se. But it's just an example of fellowship. The Inklings at its core, as much as there was growth, there was challenging, there was all these good things that come with a community and a community of friends. At the core of it was fellowship, people coming together around, honestly, in many cases, deeper truths. I mean, most of these people wrote books about deeper meanings of life. And I'm listening to that and I was thinking, man... That's just so beautiful. And I'm about to move into a new apartment in Michigan here in about a, in less than a week. I'm moving in Thursday. We're recording this on a Sunday. And I'm just very excited to do that, just to bring people together and to have these kind of conversations. And what I love about what you're doing with this Inklings here in the 21st century and what Lewis in the 20th century Inklings is just brought people together around topics. The importance isn't what you're reading. It's what the reading leads you to connect on, to have conversations on, to go deeper, to be vulnerable, to be present, to be human. And so I, and that Tuesdays with Maury is such a good book on all of that. Mm.
1: And after I'd read that, that was when people started getting a little bit braver. Uh, Kate read All Quiet on the Western Front, and Elizabeth read a poem about the moon, which her grandmother always used to recite to her, Mm. as well as one of the poems from Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats by T.S. Eliot. It's the basis for the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, Cats.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: And Marie read some poems by Richard Wilbur. And actually one person, my roommate, he brought some of his own material, a short story that he had written. And uh, that's really the gold standard there when we get to the point when we're reading each other our work. You know,
0: what I I love about
1: this, honestly, this episode is recording here.
0: I remember when I was reading this, I'm very transparent if you haven't learned in life, very honest. I was like, hmm, what are the listeners going to get out of this? I mean, this is great. It's 21st century inklings and stuff. But what I love about this, what I'm already getting about this out of this is I hope our listeners as they hear this walk away realizing the importance of community, the importance of coming together around ideas, sharing ideas, going on that deeper level, being vulnerable. I mean, the person here that's sharing his own material, short story, that is so beautiful. That's what you call getting to know someone in a deep way as Diana said in one of our talks when Tolkien finally shared a manuscript with Lewis, that took their relationship so much deeper. Mm-hmm. And so this episode here, well, we're not talking about a Lewis scholarly work. You're showing Lewis in action here. This is beautiful. Nice work, David.
1: And the other part of sharing this is I would love it if other people did stuff like this. I think this is the sort of thing that the world needs. People get together and sharing things that they just love, things that move them.
0: You know what? I'll make a deal right now for any listener who's hearing this and they do this once a month and they do it for a few months. If you get a group of people, I will send you directly pint glasses that you guys with Pints with Jack logo that you can use. So if you're like, you know what, Matt, I've got six people meeting every once a month on Tuesdays, I will send you six pint glasses, one for every person. Be honest. Don't lie. seriously that's, i will that's wonderful because i love i love creating fellowship
1: i will just give you an atta boy or an atta girl.
0: <laughs> you know in fact david i should start with you tell me how many people consistently go to this and i will
1: send pint glasses okay we'll, we'll see how this goes we've got one scheduled for december i'm actually thinking of moving it to the aero club remember where we went for whiskeys that time that you were here
0: do I remember? Yes. Well, first of all, it took a long time to get your whiskey, but I had some Japanese whiskeys that
1: night. Yes. Well, hope, hopefully they've been whipped into shape by now. So I'm hoping that place will be a little bit quieter. It was fun having the atmosphere, but I think it would have been good if, if it was a, been a little bit quieter. And the other thing I'm actually toying with the idea of is assigning people to write a haiku if they want to turn up. So that will be the entry fee. They have to write a haiku about something.
0: Oh, that's that's great because you're going to lose a lot of people and I'll have to give less
1: pint glasses. We'll see. We'll see. One of the other works that I read was from Gerard Manley Hopkins, hmm. or Gerard Manley Hopkins, as Americans call him.
0: Yes, I've I've heard that name a lot. Is it always Ron Lewis?
1: Uh, no, no, nothing, nothing to do with him. Uh, he's just a very famous Catholic poet.
0: Oh, that's probably why I've heard his name a lot.
1: I'd always loved his stuff, like Kingfisher's Catch Fire, where it talks about seeing Christ in the faces of others. But I always found him very difficult to read. And Marie gave me a book of his poetry. And quite often when we go to mass during the week, uh, in the morning, we'll go and get coffee afterwards. And I'll take the book and we'll work through a couple of poems. And this is my current favorite. It's called The Habit of Perfection. And it describes the time when Gerard was realizing his call to uh, go deeper in his faith, possibly a call to monastic life, and possibly a call to even lay down being a poet for the service of God. And this is what he wrote. Elected silence, sing to me, and beat upon my whirled ear. Pipe me to pasture still, and be the music that I care to hear. Shape nothing, lips, be lovely dumb. It is the shut, the curfew sent, from there where all surrenders come which only makes you eloquent. Be shelled eyes, with double dark, and find the uncreated light, this ruck and reel which you remark, coils, keeps, and teases simple sight. Palate, the hutch of tasty lust, desire not to be rinsed with wine, the can must be so sweet, the crust so fresh that comes in fast's divine. Nostrils, your careless breath that spend upon the stir and keep of pride, what relish shall the censers send along the sanctuary's side? O feel of primrose hands, O feet that want the yield of plushy sward! But you shall walk the golden street, and you unhouse and house the Lord. In poverty be thou the bride, and now the marriage feast begun, and lily-coloured clothes provide, your spouse not laboured at, nor spun. Jared Manley Hopkins, he does always sound so beautiful, But I always had to spend a lot of time with the text to start working out what he's talking about.
0: That was just what I was going to say right now. (laughs) I was like, that sounded so beautiful. I have no idea what he said. (laughs) I'm not kidding.
1: (laughs) Well, what he's doing is he's working through the senses and he's basically saying that we're going to be offering these senses to higher things. So he's saying, I got that with the palate part, actually. Yeah. He says, silence, sing to me. So rather than being filled with the hustle and bustle of everyday life, he's going to seek silence. And he and he asks he personifies silence and says, I, I pipe me to pastures still and the music that I really care to hear. And then he says, okay, I'm not going to speak useless words anymore. He says, shape nothing lips, be lovely dumb, so basically keep your mouth shut. And he basically says that it's, it's only when you stop speaking that you finally become eloquent and wise. And he says, your eyes, he says, be shelled eyes with double dark and find the uncreated light. So he's going to close his eyes and he's going to search in his heart and there find the place where he can meet God. And he says, then palate, desire not to be rinsed with wine. And so instead of filling his mouth with delicacies, he says that he's going to be filled with fasts divine.
0: I mean, that that that's essentially saying, like, you could be the finest wines, fill your palate. But instead, if you really want to experience true joy, peace, happiness... The, the divine fasting, the giving up, the, the, the letting go. I mean, we've all experienced that in our lives. That's incredible.
1: And then he talks about the sense of smell, and he says rather than smelling all of these expensive perfumes, uh, he's going to smell the censer, the, the incenser, the, uh, the thurible, the thing that holds the incense at church. He says, what, what relish shall the censers send along the sanctuary side while he's in church? And he does these, um, these hyphenated words, so when he, there's a word that doesn't exist, he'll make one up. Actually, I think you two would get on all of really well. <laughs> <laughs> that's a compliment. And, in, and if anyone studied German, German has a habit of just stacking words together, and he does something similar. He says, O feel of primrose hands. So that's not a real word, but you sort of know what he means when he's talking about hands that are the feel of primrose. And he talks about them walking on this plushy sward and this towards the golden street of heaven. And then lastly, he speaks about poverty, whom he's going to marry, much like Saint Francis of Assisi. Just gorgeous. But you do have to do a little bit of work. And so I'm really glad that Marie got me this book and sat me down and started explaining what he was talking about.
0: Like I said, just gorgeous.
1: Gorgeous. (laughs) And the evening went on, people read some more stuff, it was wonderful, and then I drew things together with probably my all-time favourite poet, which is Khalil Gibran. So a little bit of a backstory, well, first of all, he originally wrote in Arabic and then translated his own poetry himself. But I first came across a book called The Prophet just before I was about to leave England, so I had decided to move to America and it was, it was starting to sink in what I was about to do, leave all of my friends and family and head out into the unknown. Uh, I, <laughs> you, know, you know those moments where you start to question your sanity?
0: Yeah, every day.
1: Yeah, me too. So I was in a secondhand bookstore and I saw the cover of this book and it's kind of creepy. So I immediately pulled it off the shelf and I started reading and I just fell in love with it. So I immediately went and bought it. So, I'll, I'm going to read a little bit of the opening and then go on and read one of the poems which he writes later. Al Mustafa, the chosen and beloved, who was a dawn unto his own day, had waited twelve years in the city of Orpheles for his ship that was to return and bear him back to the isle of his birth. And in the twelfth year, on the seventh day of Ilul, the month of reaping, he climbed the hill without the city walls and looked seaward and he beheld his ship coming with the mist. Then the gates of his heart were flung open, and his joy flew far over the sea, and he closed his eyes and prayed in the silences of his soul. But as he descended the hill, a sadness came upon him, and he thought in his heart, How shall I go in peace and without sorrow? Nay, not without a wound in the spirit shall I leave this city. Long were the days of pain I have spent within its walls, and long were the nights of aloneness, and who can depart from his pain and his aloneness without regret? Too many fragments of the spirit have I scattered in these streets, and too many are the children of my longing that walk naked among these hills, and I cannot withdraw from them without a burden and an ache. It is not a garment I cast off this day, but a skin that I tear with my own hands. Nor is it a thought I leave behind me, but a heart made sweet with hunger and with thirst. Yet I can tarry no longer. Hopefully you can see why, as I'm about to leave my home country, I really resonate with this kind of language, the idea that as I'm leaving, it's not a cloak that I'm just casting off, it's something that I'm ripping with my bare hands.
0: No, my thoughts are that was really beautiful. I'm also not really good at poetry, so... Don't expect something wisdomous out of me.
1: <laughs> it's an acquired taste. I think it's also when you find a poet that you really love, that really speaks to you, uh, you, you, you need to follow that. I've I've bought a whole bunch of his books.
0: My other thought was when you finished was it's like seven twenty-five, and I usually turn off media at seven eight thirty, so I could probably get in a TV show if we finish here soon.
1: I'm touched that you care so much about this. Uh, I'm actually going to read one very short poem that he writes a little bit later in the book. Because in this story, all of the people from the town come to meet him. And they ask him to dispense some wisdom, to speak on different subjects. On marriage, on children, on buying and selling. And this one is probably my favorite. Then a woman said, speak to us of joy and sorrow. And he answered Your joy is your sorrow unmasked, and the self same well from which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? And is not the lute that soothes your spirit the very wood that was hollowed with knives? When you are joyous, look deep into your heart, and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart, and you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight.
0: Okay, that was a good one.
1: I'm not done yet. Damn, I mean, shoot. (laughs) Some of you will say, Joy is greater than sorrow, and others will say, Nay, sorrow is the greater but I say unto you, they are inseparable. Together they come, and when one sits alone with you at your board, remember that the other is asleep upon your bed. Verily you are suspended like scales between your sorrow and your joy. Only when you are empty are you at standstill and balanced. When the treasure keeper lifts you to weigh his gold and his silver, needs must your joy and your sorrow rise or fall. I thought that was supposed to be short. That is short, Matthew. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: I'm just kidding. That was actually, I was listening. I was listening. Um, I really appreciate that. It made me think of C.S. Lewis. You can't, and also it made me think think of Brene Brown, both. But Lewis talks about the greatest virtues become the greatest vices. Brene Brown talks about how you can't mute sorrow, sadness, and pain and still have joy. You need them both. And that was very much what this poem is about. If you want to experience immense amount of joy, you have to be willing to experience immense amount of pain, and most likely, or sorrow, she, the word was. And most likely, if you experience immense amount of, or if you're open to experience immense amount of sorrow, you're probably going to, because uh, with enough life, it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, in The Four Loves, Lewis says that love anything and your heart will be broken.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't love things.
0: He, he, he describes a life that you don't allow that he says would you would you like that life something like that
1: basically he talks about locking up your heart and keeping it safe but he says there it will die
0: yeah that's what it was by the way i'm completely distracted by the fact that in the top right corner of your video chat do i see an ipod with a circle wheel from about nine years ago
1: yeah <laughs> uh, retro baby
0: how have i not noticed this ever before that is that's not even touch screen guys this is pre-ipod touch this is one where you literally in the little wheel
1: i'm old what can i say
0: yeah this is my mad cow disease adhd um anyways sorry
1: <laughs> and this is why we didn't invite matt to our first inklings evening <laughs> <laughs> squirrel <laughs> so true So anyway, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that. And if you didn't, don't worry, probably not going to have another episode like this. But I just thought that I would tell you a little bit about our first Inklings evening, and perhaps someone else out there might like to try this in their community.
0: And you'll get some free pint glasses from me.
1: Exactly. Make Matt hurt. Get lots and lots of people. Okay? Thank you.
0: I live up to my word, so I I will send all of these. Just please don't lie. Actually,
1: so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a bone. You have to send a picture of the meeting. Yes, there we go. Thank you. And, and everybody needs to be toasting.
0: Well, this wouldn't be a requirement after the fact, but I would appreciate after I send it, you send a picture of you guys toasting with the pint glasses I sent.
1: Yes, that would be wonderful. Well,
0: <laughs> as we wrap this up, we have to suggest to people... Go check out pintswithjack.com. There's a sick upgrade to it, which you're going to learn a lot more about in our inaugural episode of season three. We're going to tell you about a lot of the things you're actually already going to see on the website. But for now, we will say this before we go into all that other stuff on the next episode you hear. Please go subscribe to the website. That much we want to start teasing now. Go to the website. It's going to be very important. Subscribe to the newsletter because we're going to start distributing one weekly with various things that we're doing. So please go do that.
1: And also follow us on social media, at Pints with Jack. Send us messages. Tell us if this was interesting to you. I might force Matt to listen to a little bit more of my favorite poetry.
0: Oh, goodness sakes, no.
1: and And join us next time when we'll be going further up. And
0: further in. Cheers. Cheers.